Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip hop that examines where hip hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And today, you are tuned into a special episode of Catch Up. It's one of our Catch Up classics where we are going back through the 2010s and examining 10 classic albums that, as judged by James and I and going in depth on what made them so special. We each made a list of top our personal top 10 records uh, and then our producer Kyle uh, amalgamated them for us based on sort of where we had, had kind of ranked each record. So um, there are some records that make it because like one of us really rated one of them super high and then there's others that we were totally in consensus about and the record we're talking about today was one of consensus. Yes, it is a duo project. Uh, yeah. Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan. I guess Birdman's also sort of a part of this. Sort of, yeah. Uh, but it's called the Tour Part Rich Gang, the Tour Part One. Yeah, and came out in 2014 and was a seismic seismic project that mm-hmm. I think was extremely critically acclaimed and is looked back on very fondly mm-hmm. and is is really like, almost like a high water mark for. At the very least, Rich Homie Kwan's career. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes. So, Young Thug is a rapper whose career we've traced a few times on this podcast. So, yeah. if you just go through the archives and go to an episode that where we talk about Young yeah. Thug. So, I think the one, yeah, we, we really go deep on Young Thug is uh, episode 15. Um, of which where we cover like his record line language and just go back through his career to date. So yeah, if you want to hear us talk in depth about Young Thug, that's where you can find it. So I think we'll talk about Young Rich Homie Kwan, who is maybe one of the more underrated rappers of this decade in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit underrated, definitely forgotten by mm-hmm. the, by a lot of people. Yeah, uh, because the last few years of his year, of the last few years of his career have, haven't gone. I'm sure is the way that he would like it. Yeah. to go. He's kind of on the outskirts of the mainstream conversation. Yeah. And the industry sort of, it was a kind of a strange thing where it seemed like the industry sort of like overnight forgot him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, he, when he first appeared, however, there was, he was like one of the really exciting rappers of the, so when sort of rap, as we mentioned before, started kind of changing around 2012. Um, he had a breakout single, uh, which I know it's, one of Jordan's favorite songs of the decade is also one of mine, <laughs> Some Type of Way. Type of Way, which, which was a huge smash yeah, in 2013. Yeah, absolute breakout record. Um, it's such a fun song. It's 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 got some funny moments. It's It's got some uplifting moments. It's mm-hmm. exciting. Let's listen to a bit of Type of Way. That car driving make you feel some type of way. I know you do. That custom brightening make you feel some type of way. This bitch on way got me feeling some type of way. Okay, okay. Easy cause my homies rich, you feel some type of way. Some type of way. Make you feel some type of way. Her she wanna fuck me, know you feel some type of way. Mr. CEO, it's what my title say. Me and my homies, DJ Ho, he feel some type of way. Okay, now let me real, I know you feel some type of way. I know you too. When I get the bite, know her ill, she make that Tyson face. Don't look like that. I draw down to my knee, thankful for life today. Um, so that was a huge hit, huge hit in the clubs, and just a really great way to introduce a rapper to the world. Um, 
But the song also, I remember at the time thinking that it was such a huge song that it threatened to cannibalize his whole career, which is something that had happened to a few Atlanta rappers at the time. Um, there was a rapper, Cash Out, who had the song Cashing Out, which let's listen to a little bit of that. <laughs> and he never had another hit after that like that song was so big that he couldn't it eclipsed anything that he did afterwards. He was never able to bounce back from having such a huge hit. Which might have had to do with the, the irony related to the, the song title and concept that he was cash out, was finally cashing out. You know, it's, you put in all his chips, he was done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I remember thinking that Rich Homie Kwan, Kwan was, was in a position where he might end up in a similar place as Cash Out. Yeah. He had put out a string of mixtapes with hilarious titles. So the first one was I Go In On Every Song. The next one was Still Going In. Then Still Going In Reloaded. He took a deviation with Fuck Trust God, Fuck 12 with Gucci Mane. But then went right back to I Promise I Will Never S- Stop Going In in case you were, had any doubt about it. <laughs> and then... Yeah, the next his next one was if you ever think I will stop going in, ask RR Royal Rich, and then he's kind of started. He stopped going in. Unfortunately, <laughs> the lie detector determined that was a lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did one more uh, ABTA still going in. I don't know what ABTA stands for, but I don't think it. I feel like it had something to do with a preface that I'm actually not going in anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, um, yeah, anyway. But anyway, all this to say, at some point, Rich Homie Kwan became friends uh, with Young Thug. Or I guess they were friends from earlier in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, just knew each other from Atlanta. And they they started talking a bit about like putting out this this project together. They said they were making, working on a mixtape. And as we discussed in episode 17... Uh, when talking about collaborative projects, this is something that rappers who seem to be friends talk about doing all the time. Sometimes they're actually recording and sometimes it's like they've recorded maybe two songs and they're just thinking about it. But they said they were going to record a project together and put it out and they were going under the name. They initially said their name would be called The Best Duo Since Outcast. (laughs) Like that would be the name. The full name was The Best Duo Since Outcast. (laughs) So... I mean, Rich Homie Kwan, obviously, as we've clearly established, is great at naming things. Yes. And I feel like this was really a really lofty name, but really stands out for me. And I mean, he they had uh, put out a couple good songs uh, previous to the tour um, on uh, Rich Homie Kwan's, I think, probably his best solo release, which was I Promise I Will Never Stop Going In. When like, you know he really meant that promise at the time, yeah, and uh, it's got like a lot of good early like get new Atlanta. TF out of my face, yeah, a lot of good new Atlanta uh, stuff on it. There's early Metro Boomin, early London on the track, yeah, it's got like um, you know, Young Thug on there, it's got Problem, who was uh, a rapper with who didn't, unlike Future, didn't succeed with the ungoogleable rapper name, you know, you just like <laughs> look up Problem. Uh, well, there's a lot of problems that came up before him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, 
anyway, I, I remember I was like pretty Rich Homie Kwan, I was like kind of as excited about it as like a lot of the other sort of new Atlanta rappers at the time, like Future and Migos, Young Thug. Uh, and, you know, I felt very justified in this excitement when the tour came out. So as as um, Rich Homie Kwan and Thug are talking about all, all of this stuff, making a collaborative project together, somehow the two of them link up with the Cash Money Records owner Birdman mm. and Birdman starts palling around with them and he keeps saying that he signed them but it seems like a really iffy situation because they both were <laughs> engaged in other record deals and yeah. it didn't seem like there was really anything ever official yeah. in terms of like a record label contract but he was definitely advising them and at the time I remember he had become Young Thug's manager to some degree I remember mm-hmm. Young Thug had tweeted something or posted something on his on his old Instagram which has long since been deleted but he had this post that said something like, Birdman just paid my rent for 10 years. <laughs> Which, something like that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hear us talk a little bit more about uh, hip hop supervillain Birdman, uh, check out episode 16 where we talk about Lil Wayne and his career and, uh, and all the trouble that Birdman has caused being the supervillain that he is. Yes. Yeah, so, and interestingly enough, like, Connecting with Birdman, while on paper is a really terrible decision for anyone in the music industry, in a way sort of added some credibility to both Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan. Because mm-hmm. Birdman's connection to Lil Wayne aside, he also was technically the label head behind Drake and Nicki Minaj. So yes. his track record of investing in talent was still very good, not to mention the 2000s Cash Money yeah. Records lineup. So. So Birdman, I, Birdman helped mainstream Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan in a way. He took them from the outs, the outskirts of, of the music of the mainstream conversation, and kind of placed them at the center of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, nothing. I think even more so than the tour, nothing really did that more so than lifestyle, which yeah. is I think we can both say one of our favorite songs of the decade. It's hard to find rap songs that are like really fun that are also very wholesome, spiritually uplifting. Yeah, and uh, this yeah, it's just a like kind of like pleasantly motivational like lifestyle. You know, it's just a, it's a wonderful song. It was a big hit, maybe the biggest hit uh, either of them had had to at that the time. Point. Yes, that's right. And uh, and still like I mean you know I think they did pretty big numbers on YouTube. Um, or like 150 million views, pretty pretty fast. Yep, went went platinum. Um, this came out in June of 2014, featuring production from London on the track, yeah, who yeah. features heavily on the Rich Gang project. Mm-hmm. But it was just a moment where these guys had really. It was a breakout moment for both of them, mm-hmm. just in terms of of creating such a song that was really pretty universal in the rap game. Even people who previously. We're like, Young Thug, what's up with that guy? It was a pretty undeniable song. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of Lifestyle. Did a lot of shit just live this here lifestyle. We came straight from the bottom to the top of my lifestyle. So, and I think it's just like a really interesting thing about this album is that there are a lot of joint songs with Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan. There's also solo songs that each artist has. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of these songs sound very different mm-hmm. and just like tonally. So you start the album with Givenchy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Young Thug song, Young Thug and Birdman. Yeah, Birdman having some of the most hilarious bragging. Yeah. Uh, that we never, ever we're never hung over. Yeah. Yeah. He also, he like, I don't know. He's just like, it's like kind of hilarious. Like, I, like, I, I, let's, I let's listen to some of Birdman's, uh, ranting. Yeah, ranting on this album. Gold turtles and chandeliers. Big money, nigga. Take the jet. LA hit the bitty. Booling in a bondo with a few bitches. You know? And they go to trip. And they go to trip. Drinking that GTV, that tequila. Smoking them stunner blunts. The big dog. Nigga, we never hung over. Never, boy. Popping bigger numbers with my nigga. Straight B's on. Straight B's. Shout out to my love, my blood, my team, my gang, my family. Nigga, you know what we bleed. You know what we bleed. Um, also, Birdman has a what I think is a pretty, pretty funny verse on this song. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, seems pretty clear that Young Thug wrote it. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's the nature of Birdman. That is the nature of Birdman. Still great. Um, so yeah, the, the album opens with with this, and it just kind of takes you into this. Is like you get to see some of Young Thug's weirdness with this, you know, mm-hmm. like this kind of a hotly anticipated album from two of Atlanta's trap stars, and he has this slow song that's yeah. kind of a beautiful in a way yeah. and a little bit romantic sounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you have you follow up with the Rich Homie Quan solo track, which mm-hmm. is called War Ready. Yeah, I and love that song. Great song, great hook, uh, and just like a really interesting contrast between the two. So let's listen to a little bit of War Ready. And right off the bat, you kind of see how the two styles complement one, one another. You know, Rich Rich Homie Kwan uh, has a lot of verses with with it, you know, imbued with some emotional heft and just like different, you know, it's able to create different images in your head. Whereas yeah. Young Thug was really, they're both really skilled at melody. Mm-hmm. Young Thug is probably a little like stronger skilled. Yeah. Where in the traditional bar sense of rapping, Rich Homie Kwan probably has is probably a, maybe a better writer than maybe. Young Thug. I'm not sure. Um, they're both excellent here. Yeah, I think I think they're both really good. But you can just see the how the styles complement one another, and just in the toe the two opening songs, they're not even on together. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you know, if you go back to the uh, our discussion of um, you know, rap albums um, that are collaborations between two major rappers. So often their styles don't actually really complement each other. They kind of contrast in ways that make them kind of less than the sum of their parts. But what was so amazing about Rich Gang in that sense is that how complementary they are. You know, they, I like it. I think both of us feel it's a shame that they uh, (laughs) fell out so hard after this record because Mm -hmm. they just, had amazing chemistry together yeah i mean also not to mention i guess before we get back deeper into the album at this time they're both posting a lot of each other on their instagrams Mm -hmm. and young thug would caption these photos with really controversial things at the time (laughs) uh just maybe a a, definitely a little bit of like hip-hop trolling trolling like young thug at the time was as he was becoming more mainstream was dealing with a lot of 
homophobia, yeah. even though by for all intents and purposes, he's identifies as a heterosexual. Yeah. A lot of people based on this is tw- 2014. It's not that long ago is actually seismically <laughs> different in terms of culture because people were accusing Young Thug of being uh, homosexual because he was wearing tight jeans. He'd also post things like we have smoking penises, no homo. Okay. <laughs> you're right. He did do things. Yes, you're right. Yeah, That's and true. he would say he would call like he, all of his. He called Rich Homie Con his, his, ba- his, his bae, lover, his bay. Yes, that's all right. Stuff like that. A lot of things that I remember taking a lot of screenshots of and sending to my girlfriend at the time, and just like marveling at how cute it was. Yeah. No, it was. It was like such. I mean. Such a wonderful, wholesome relationship that they had, and it would seem like like it would never end. Yeah, and it's interesting because the way that it plays out on this album, there are songs that Young Thugs feature on. Like I remember an early big song, one of the first singles from this album that had a video, was the song "I'm a Ride," mm-hmm. which features Young Ralph. Um, which I really loved this song, and I remember this created an early Vine viral video. From the from the oh, very science. beginning of this of this song, um, just the way that the song starts, mm. um, and anyway, just really, 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 really outstanding rapping from Young Thug on this. Like, yeah. we should listen to a little bit of his verse because it was one of my favorites of this year of that year. And then when you, we start getting into the songs that they collaborated on, um, you start to really hear some really special stuff. So the, yeah, one of the great collabor- collaborations on this album is a song called Tell Em, uh, from parentheses, Lies, yeah. uh, which is just a great, great, fun song. Yeah. Quietly progressive, uh, is, okay. as you'll hear from the hook. <laughs> um, let's listen to a little bit of it. On that pussy and dip. I'ma keep one inside the chamber like whip. Maybe can't spoil it, she spoiled it in milk. And keep on my side like a fucking hill. She gon' make sure I survive, she gon' do it well. Maybe I just want the vibes right under that belt. She just want me to keep them lies out to myself. And she gon' help me like she said the else. She gon' look up with these bitches like terms and conditions. I'ma move her out the trenches and buy her a billion. I'ma fuck her then hold on to her like she was missing. I'ma pull on that wave and how cause it's yeah, and you can just basically hear what's different about Young Thug and Ritomi Kwan in this one song even. You just see like how they mix a lot of the traditional Southern trap rap tropes with kind of new ideas and funny like and just interesting like almost like romantic constructs and mm. You know, and it, it it just seemed like something that was was like both fun and not taking itself too serious at the same time, but also featured really good rapping. Yeah, they, I mean, it, there's something about this album and just the timing of when it came out, where like I just associate it with such an optimism about where hip hop was heading, I, and like part of it is like you there are these uh, the 
mixtape DJ who is uh, does these little sort of almost like skit shout out segments. Uh, what's it, was it Swamp Izzo? The, 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 the skit like the like he'd be like the the tour coming out soon. That's is, DJ Khaled. Is it DJ Khaled? DJ Khaled. He sounds like not like him. He, I guess it was before he became a Snapchat yes, star. It's totally before the Snapchat oh, star. Wow. It's DJ Khaled. He's talk. He's running down the list of all the forthcoming uh, Young Money Cash Money albums. Which is it's really funny because some of these albums have never come out. Well, they they come recently. Yeah, there was so there was. Oh, yeah, there's the, pink. He mentions Pink Print, which I. I'm not yeah. which year I don't remember which year Pink Print came yeah. out. Uh, there's Views from the Six, which came out almost two years after this was released. Mm-hmm. There was the Carter Five, which yeah. uh, came out four years after this was released. Uh, and then there was I think then then the the idea that there was another there was an album coming from uh, kind of Rich Homie Quan and Young Thug, which never came. So it's sort of it was like almost like a more innocent time. In some respects, and it's such an optimistic time in in hip hop history, and I I remember feeling like sort of with this album that like hip it was like really feeling like we're about to go into like or we're just this was not even go into we are we're now in like a new sort of golden era of like Atlanta rap mm-hmm. to me because then you know after this we have like this the big future run like that we ta- that I talked about recently with Dirty Sprite Two and all of that we have Young Thug sort of ascendancy. We have Migos, you know, 21 Savage, all of that sort of new Atlanta. And this, to me, this record is really, while there was some, like, good stuff before this, this is when it really all started to come together, for me at least, in, like, such a concrete way. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out the tour, please do. It's it's like, uh, I, I think... Of all, yeah, of all the records that we gonna are make our, made our list is probably the most underrated, most underheard. You know, so many, most of the other ones are really mammoth sort of event records, and this one is the one that sort of stands out most. As I think, while it was appreciated at the time, I don't know that outside of the boozy vague community that has the same legacy that it should. And and I think you know it's one of the things that we're really trying to get across here. I think even in the boozy vague community, it hasn't gotten yeah. nope. the love that it deserves because I think this album was a little bit before the streaming era. Yeah, so it still was where music did feel very siloed in some ways, where you had to kind of know what was coming out That's to true. hear it. It yeah. wouldn't just come across your. You know, I don't. I don't know if it's just like the algorithms weren't as strong as they were on YouTube, but it's not something that would just cut, you wouldn't you would seem to happen across. It was no, something no. that you knew about and were excited for. Yeah, and you were listening to it because now I talk to people who are huge connoisseurs of all the new music that's come out in the last two years or so. And you t- mentioned this album, and people don't really know about it. Yeah, exactly. It's I don't think it's on any of the streaming platforms in any kind of legal way. Any way that it's up on Spotify, for instance, is something that somebody themselves uploaded. It's not like yeah, yeah. Because this is like a mixtape in the traditional sense of like, I mean, it's it's all original production, but it seems like there's weird licensing things going on yeah. that is not able to be on the streaming platform in the way that a lot of the other songs are. And it also, I'm sure, has as we mentioned, kind of weird label issues. You know, not least the fact that it's related to cash money records which is the shadiest record company in music uh so anyway i mean arguably arguably i'm sure there's others that we don't know about some weird russian music like the russian cash money must be that much worse you know (laughs) uh anyway uh yeah no so i like one of the things i just feel about this record is that it was like this is of all the records that i think make our list the one that it's like probably not considered 
a classic by sort of the general public in the the same way as, you know, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, say. Um, but I think it really is such an incredibly strong and important record, uh, you know, looking back on it. So go check it out if you haven't heard it. Yeah, I th- and I think, like, I just want to play a little bit of another one of the standout songs on this album, uh, which is Freestyle, mm-hmm. which is, like, That's this really is cool. also just kind of shows the depth of of both of them, just mm-hmm. like, creating, like, an, an emotional place this this album has a lot of like moments of deep emotion and i think yeah. this song has some of the best parts uh rich homie kwan has this really interesting verse which like, well i don't agree with the it politically mm-hmm. or even in my life it's just an interesting way of expressing himself and mm-hmm. issues that are going on in his life so let's listen to a little bit of freestyle chandeliers with marble floors boy my baby mama just put me on child support. Fuck a warrant, ain't going to court. Don't care what them white folks say, I just wanna see my little boy. Go to school, be a man, and sign up for college, boy. Don't be a fool, be a man. What you think that Nally for? She dismissed high school, no reason to wear knowledge. Chuck, leave back, sample. I don't fuck around with no followers. Follow up on everything I do. Ask my girl. Call the cops, I'm good for. I travel all right in the world. Wake up too late for so at the end of each of our episodes we pick one uh, recent hip-hop related item whether it's a social media post an article an album a song or anything else that we've been into recently uh and you know doesn't have to be as sort of contemporary as the regular stuff we talk about in our episode uh for me um the the sort of big hip-hop moment uh experienced recently experienced recently was uh watching the live stream of Mac Miller's um, tribute. Mac Miller unfortunately passed away uh, while we were on hiatus in September. So we didn't really get to have an episode where we went into his career. Um, One thing I was really struck by when he passed was just how passionate his fan base was. Um, I mean, I was, I can't say I was ever like one of, he was one of my favorite artists. I did like him, especially the latter sort of, uh, you know, post Donald Trump era uh Mac uh but the thing that Donald Trump the song the Donald Trump the song not yeah the not, not the presidential era he was a good rapper by the time Donald Trump became president uh unfortunately maybe partly responsible for it but you know we can't hold that against him but anyway uh he, no i mean he 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 had really he just seemed like such an incredible human being, and as soon as like as soon as he died, and it was so sort of unexpected and tragic, you just like the ima- I don't know if I've ever seen um, an artist have almost just such unequivocal uh, love, an outpouring of love after they pass. Uh, it was like he just used his success and fame to help so many people. Had just really been, I think. It's like a completely positive uh, influence in his in his world and in hip hop culture, and um, you know, it's just, like it's just something about the fact that he died so young, so tragically, so senselessly that is is just so devastating. And even for people such as myself who aren't, you know, as big a fans as as like some of his diehards, I you know, it was really it left kind of a. It was like just a kind of really hard thing to deal with. Um, so recently, the various artists who Mac had a relationship with had sort of a tribute show to him as like sort of a goodbye. Uh, and it, 
I don't I I am unsure of the current status of how easy it is to YouTube these clips, but it is just like such an incredible uh wonderful event that is really you will have a hard time uh watching and not crying your eyes out because it is just so sad and and it's just amazing the also at the same time how as like a white rapper who really could have just been like a, a Macklemore or like Asheroth and just traded off the success of the frat rap that got him his initial success. He really tried his to push rap culture ahead as much as possible, uh, promote and help uh, gain access for like a lot of people of color into the hip hop world, uh, especially like the, you know, Hollywood sort of mainstream side of it. And, He's just someone who left such an incredible legacy behind. And, you know, his and after he died, I started listening to a lot more of his recent stuff. And he's just someone who had improved so much during his career, which is really a remarkable thing as well. He really could have probably just rested off the residuals of those early songs and instead chose to keep pushing. And uh, yeah. So if you haven't, if you are a Mac fan, if you're not a Mac fan, but you're interested, go check out his music and go check out the tribute. Uh, show because it was it's really a wonderful event that's right and for me i'm gonna talk about a rapper who i think we're both a big fan of is uh, also a member of the boosie fade uh the group community a uh, rapper by the name of deja sb um so deja has a really interesting story because earlier this year uh in february James and I were both at this J Electronica concert and J Electronica does this thing every concert because the way that he first got on stage and rapped is that he was at a most deaf show and most deaf has a moment in his show or at the time had where he would invite someone from the audience up. He's like, are there any MCs in the crowd? And then whoever put up their hand, he would invite them on stage and allow them to rap a verse of one of their own songs or just rap over, rap over a, a beat that he puts on. So Jay Electronica did this at one point. And that was the first time he ever got on stage and rapped. So now at Jay Electronica shows, he does the same thing. He offers, he gets on the mic and says, are there any MCs in the crowd? Like, please come to the stage right now. So we were at the show in February when this happened. And at this moment, this woman went on stage. She got on stage. The crowd was going nuts. She clearly was very nervous looking. Yeah. She seemed like, she seemed like a little overwhelmed by the circumstances. And the crowd was giving her a huge round of applause, like very encouraging. And then the beat drops, and she started rapping, and she, and she murdered fucking it. killed it. Yeah, it was, it was so still like one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a concert. And she just like she murdered a verse. The crowd went nuts. She was freaking out. Jay Electronica was freaking out. It was just like one of the most exciting, pure and organic moments of of I've ever witnessed in a concert. Yeah. And so the next day, I wrote a little review of the concert in Boosie Fay the group, where I was just describing the whole thing. And at some point, Deja, the rapper, commented. She was in the group already, and she commented and posted a longer video of her of her rapping. And just be- and since then, it's just become a part of the community. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's like been releasing music uh, intermittently over the year, and she just released a project called "Looking at Space from a Submarine" uh, alongside the producer Le- Legend, and it is really really great like Deja in general is just the kind of rapper that I think is really unique especially at a time like this because she raps about things that a lot of other rappers don't she kind of the the level of detail and talking about her struggles either financially or like emotionally it's just like it's a level of depth that 
uh, I don't think you don't don't really get every day in in hip hop, and I think is really interesting, and it's really very motivational music. It's it's music that it, it seems like it is primed to keep you going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really interesting about her. She's also a very technically strong rapper. Very technically strong rapper, very good songwriter, mm-hmm. very good writer in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, just a really evocative, smart mind and a skilled rapper. Yeah. And so I would strongly recommend that you check out her her project with Legend, Looking at Space from a Submarine. It's on Spotify, it's on SoundCloud, it's on Apple Music. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll have it in the show notes, but also just like give it give a search for DJ SB on on your streaming platform of choice and give her give her a listen. I think that you'll like what you hear. Yeah. So that's this week's episode of the Catch Up Classic series. Thank you for tuning in. Please continue to rate, review and subscribe if you haven't. Tell the podcast tell about tell a friend about the podcast if you haven't already. And even if you have, tell them about the podcast because we are only growing through your help. So yeah. please continue to spread the word about us. Yeah, please. I mean, any way that you can. I mean, if you need to uh, send letters to strangers or just, you know, dial a random phone number and tell the person on the other end to listen to catch up. Uh, if you know the password to someone's phone, you can just go on there and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. So, uh, yeah, please. We, we really appreciate all the continued support, uh, whether illicit or just, you know, regular or old writing a review or whatnot it's all so awesome so thank you so much for tuning in and have a great week have a great week we'll see you soon stay safe stay safe